Hello, welcome to The Wargamer. I'm your host, Rob. In today's video, we're going to be talking about Flesh Eater Courts and why they're incredible to play and also how to play them. It's an older book. It was released, oh, I think, three years ago now, maybe four years ago. It's one of the oldest books in Age of Sigmar. We're pretty certain it's going to get an update at the end of the year, along with a model range refresh. But the start collecting is still available. You can see that here. Uh, there it is. And me and the Twitch chat are going to be reviewing this book. We're going to be talking about the ways to play it, all the little combos you can do, and hopefully you're going to learn how to do that through this video. And we're going to be taking into consideration the new General's Handbook. So the new General's Handbook just came out a few weeks ago, and along with the General's Handbook, where we got loads of new rules and primal dice for wizards, we also got a battle scroll update, which is kind of like an FAQ or a patch to a game. And what that has done is it allowed us to have different rules for things like coherency and how characters can be targeted that might really benefit this army. And in addition, this book, well, the Flesh Eater Courts Battle Tome, uh, this new book came out, The Harbingers, and in it, uh, there are updated rules for some of the units that you'll find in here, specifically Crypt Ghouls. There's a new character in it. He's a Marrow guy, which is pretty fun. Uh, so we'll be going through all of those. But I guess the first question is, why should you play Flesh Eater Courts? Well, the story is pretty awesome, as the chat have been, me and the chat have been talking about. They're a bunch of ghouls, obviously, who are deluded. They have delusions. So they literally have a, a disease that like puts a delusion across their mind, and they think that they're good guys. Uh, they think that they're knights and courtiers and all sorts of fancy lads around the realms. But actually, they're just eating the faces off people, which is kind of like a fun uh, backstory. They're an incredible combat army with loads of damage, some of the most aggressive monsters in Age of Sigmar. Uh, and if you wanted to, you can take incredibly small units like Crypt Ghouls, which are only 160 points. And from a unit of 10 of those, you can generate like 100 attacks doing tons of damage if you can stack all the combos correctly. They've got summoning, which is quite fun, uh, and allows you to have a lot of board presence. They've got a little bit of healing in there as well, which is also super cool. Uh, they are an older book though, um, so they do have some janky rules compared to some of the newer books, uh, but I think that they're a great combat army and you can load up on some units and do just apocalyptic damage, like combo breakers. Just If this was a, a Capcom game, it'd be like combo breaker, combo breaker, combo breaker. I used to do tons of damage. Anyway, I hope you enjoy the video. Uh, I'm doing this, recording this live with the Twitch chat, um, and it's probably going to be over the course of several hours. So I do hope you enjoy the video. And if you do, you can support the Nice Wargamer on Patreon. That'd be great. The first thing we're going to look at are the battle traits. So this is what you get. These are the special rules you get for your army if you're building an army that's all flesh eater courts. Uh, these are the battle traits. So these are going to apply across your whole army. First one we'll talk about is Deathless Courtiers. You can see it there. And this is each Flesh Eater Quartz unit in your army has a ward save of 6+. plus. How does this work? Okay, so you do damage, then you make armor saves. And after armor saves, you work out how much damage you've done. You collect it in a pool, and you take a ward save. 6+, plus ward save. Which is okay. It's not terrible. It's not as good as Games Workshop seem to think it is. It's definitely not something that you build your list around. Um, if it's a 5 up ward save, maybe. But it really isn't something that you tend to do. Uh, so, six of ward save, that's fine. It's just a nice additional thing to your army, especially as this army is quite squishy, as in it can't build real big uh, defensive blocks. It doesn't have a very high armor save, it doesn't have access to lots of different debuffs, uh, and so you're probably going to take a lot of damage in this army. So a six up ward save is, is nice. 
Now, uh, the Grand Courts, these are the four different um, uh, sub-factions you can take. Uh, and then there is a way to build your own sub-factions as well. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then we're going to talk about the command ability. So this is available to you across your whole army again. And it's called Feeding Frenzy. And it's pretty much the linchpin or the crux of how Flesh Eater Courts armies play. Like I said, they're pretty much a combat army. There is some shooting. We'll talk about that later. What's well, screaming, really. But Feeding Frenzy is this like massive damage potential. And what it is, it's a command ability. And you use this command ability in the combat phase after one of your units has fought. You get to immediately pile in and attack again with that unit. Now, this is quite different as it's an older book because some of the more modern books like you see with Iron Guts from Ogres or you see from Chosen from Saves to Darkness, they have a pile in and attack twice, but they have it at the end of the combat phase. But those are written on their War Scrolls. This Fight Twice ability has been a amazing ability for Flesh Eater Court's armies um, because it just means you can just do a ton of damage. As we talked about already, a lot of how you build this army is going to be taking a single unit, stacking tons of different attacks on it, and then making it fight. So we should talk about a couple of things here because there's some really fun techie stuff about this. First up, let's just point out the fact that you get to pile in again three inches. So you take a unit and you charge. Now, if, an, if you charge two units into a unit at the same time and the first unit fought and wiped out that other unit, you would still get to make a three inch pile in. So that's the thing you really need to remember because if you've done a charge, you always get to make a three inch pile in. Um, so there's some real clever tricks there where you can do a three inch pile into a unit behind the other screen if the other unit attacked. But you could also do the same thing with Feeding Frenzy. Charge a unit in, kill a unit that's screening the unit behind it, and then pile in another three inches and then attack the unit behind that. So effectively, it's got a six inch pile in. Doesn't mean it's got to kill stuff, but this army doesn't normally struggle to kill stuff. So that's really techy. So if you want to defend against it, you have to be at least six inches behind. If they're doing a multi charge, you might have to be up to nine inches behind that front line, which is pretty nuts. Um, so that's just something to be really conscious of. So that's Feeding Frenzy. It's really good. It's also commandability, though. And since this book was released, command abilities suffer a little bit because there's loads of ways to shut down command abilities. First one we're going to talk about is Raw, which is a monstrous action that happens at the start of the combat phase. So if you are charging into an enemy monster, they could just Raw you, which means on a 3+, you cannot receive a command ability, meaning you can't use Feeding Frenzy. This is pretty bad. However, recently, in a Warcry Warband update, uh, they released a unit called the Royal Beast Flayers. You can see them here. Now, we're going to talk about these more in detail later, uh, but importantly, they have this ability called Hunter's Instincts, where enemy monsters within three inches of this unit cannot carry out monstrous rampages. In addition, reduce the damage characteristic of weapons used by enemy monsters by one while they're within three inches of any friendly units with this ability to a minimum of one. So built into this army, we have a counter ability, which is brand new, a counter ability, to stop enemy monsters from roaring you, which means you're more likely to do Feeding Frenzy, which is good. There are other ways, though, to shut down command abilities, and this has been something we've seen quite commonly uh, added into armies as Age of Sigmar 3 has got older and older. The most dangerous one probably right now is Geminids of Orgish, which is an endless spell, um, which you, any any army can take, and currently is criminally undercosted. and I did make a, a video already about endless spells in this GHB, and it's already the best on the spell, like it's so good. And it means that you can't do command abilities until the step next hero phase if you're hit by it. And that's gonna really mess your army up because again, like we talked about, you really want Feeding Frenzy to go off. So you need to be aware of the things, and there are loads of other units that can shut down 
command abilities as well. There are spells like Zinch have a spell. Uh, there are uh, spells like in like in Lumineth, for example, where they double how much CP you have to spend. So this is something you need to be really conscious of when you're playing with this army. You need to save command points for being able to do Feeding Frenzy, and you need to make sure that they can be somewhere where Feeding Frenzy isn't going to get turned off. So it's a really powerful ability, but it's very manageable. And that's really difficult for you as a budding fleshy Quartz player, a new delusional fella on the tables. The next part of the army we're going to talk about is its faction terrain. So this is a free, not to buy obviously, but free in points piece of terrain that you bring along for your army. It's, it's effectively allegiance abilities that just is a model. And, um, and we'll talk about how to use it now because it's pretty interesting and it's very, very vital in this army. When you set it up, you can set it up just outside of three inches of the objective and it has to be set up in your territory. So that's pretty good because it's got an AOE aura we're going to talk about in a minute. Uh, and uh, it's also got another ability to summon stuff. But putting it so close to the front lines is a bit of a problem because in this General Sandbook, uh, or in this version of Age of Sigmar, the monsters in an enemy army do have the ability to smash your terrain feature to rubble. So you don't want to be cautious of that. So I think it's quite interesting because you maybe want this on the front line, uh, but also you don't want it to get smashed. So you're going to have to be really conscious of that. Now, it's a defensible piece of terrain, and it can be garrisoned by one Flesh Eater Quartz hero with a wounds characteristic of eight or less. Being a garrison uh, means that that character is going to have plus one to their armor save and also be minus one to hit, which is a good bonus. Uh, and it's got two abilities. The first one is a ghoulish landmark, which is while enemy units are within 12 inches of any terrain feature in this scenery rule, it cannot be affected, like they cannot be affected by abilities that help them ignore Battleshock tests. So you have to take Battleshock tests if you're within 12 inches of this scenery feature. And because you can put it quite close to an objective, that's quite a large aura. It's not wholly within 12 inches, within 12 inches. A lot of the units in the game right now um, uh, have fairly low leadership at the top end, not OBR obviously, but some of the other armies are quite affected by this. Uh, and because some armies are very aggressive, like they want to charge towards you, baiting them into being near this terrain feature so they then are affected by ignoring battleshot tests is great. So that's, that's good, it's a really nice ability. The other ability is Ruler of All He Surveys. Now this is one of the key features, the key ways the army works. So this terrain feature is really important, but it's also quite difficult to manage. While a friendly Flesh Eater Quartz hero is garrisoning a terrain feature, so you probably always want to start the game with a character garrisoning the terrain feature. This scenery rule, friendly Flesh Eater Quartz units holding within 12 inches of this terrain feature can issue summon men at arms, summon courtier, summon royal guard, and summon imperial guard commands without a command point being spent. What the hell is that? Okay, on each one of the um, Flesh Eater Quartz heroes, or most of the Flesh Eater Quartz heroes, they have um, a the ability to do a summon. So if we look at someone like an Abhorrent Ghoul King, you can see that uh, they have the Summon Men at Arms command ability. You can use this command ability at the end of your movement phase. If you do so, you pick a friendly model that has not used this command ability, uh, and then you can summon a unit of up to 10 serfs. They have to be holding in six inches of the board edge, nine inches away. So you get a once per ter well, once per battle summon from most of your characters, including uh, characters like your Borant Ghoul King or Royal Terrorgeist, who are your big frontline combat units. So you're gonna be able to summon units, which is cool. And as long as there's a unit garrisoning that terrain feature, friendly heroes within, uh, wholly within 12 inches of it can do that for free. And as we already talked about, the main way you use this army is uh, to be able to make it fight twice in the combat phase. So that's going to require you to spend a command point. 
this is a, so there's a couple of like negatives and bonuses. Number one, this means that your army doesn't have to summon uh, spend as many command points as it would um, if this wasn't around to do all of its summoning. And all of its summoning is really good because it gets you a load of extra units. So it's good for that because it reduces your resources. But it does mean, because you do it at the end of the movement phase, loads of your units have to be stood around this terrain feature. Number one, that really reduces how fast you move, and that's a huge problem. But also, uh, it does mean that you're susceptible to someone doing a lot of AOE damage or just kind of pinning your army in at that part of the board. So if you have all of your characters around, and there are some army lists where they do a bunch of targeted damage in what we call area of effect so like explosions basically and they just drop mortal wounds probably the worst version of this right now is obviously seraphon um but with there are stormcast lists that do it the same so that's something you've got to be conscious of and if you are up against one of those armies it's probably best to just spend the command points to summon your units versus be stood around that bit of terrain so pretty good ultimately you get a character and oh and all of the units that are going to be stood around there are probably going to be wizards who you probably want moving along with your front line. So um, it probably forces you to do a lot of that summoning early, which means you don't necessarily get quite the surprise advantage your opponent has. So anyway, pretty good, pretty good terrain feature. Obviously, you're going to bring it with you anyway, uh, but this is something uh, you should definitely think about a lot. The next part of the Allegiance ability is heroic actions. Heroic actions are done at the start of the hero phase, and Flesh Eater Courts have a heroic action called Muster Reinforcements. Muster Reinforcements lets you pick one friendly Flesh Eater Quartz hero and roll six dice. For each two plus, you can return one slain model to a friendly surface unit within 10 inches of that hero. And for each five plus, you can return one slain friendly knight's unit within 10 inches of that hero. Uh, so let's talk about it. Surf units are Crypt Ghouls, uh, which are your battle line uh, like units, they come in units in 10, they're very, very squishy. They don't have a good armor save, uh, and so they'll just die in droves. And the surf keyword has also been applied to the Royal Beast Flayers, uh, which is the Warcry Warbrand we talked about earlier, and we'll review all those later. So you can return those models. Uh, and then Knights, uh, for each 5 plus that you roll on those 6 dice, you can return Crypt Flayers and Crypt Horrors. And, and they've got a lot of wounds, that's really good. I think it's 3 on the Flayers and, and 4 on the Horrors. So you can potentially return a lot of wounds to a unit, which is really good. A couple of things which are really nice about this is the heroic action is separate to rally. So you can also do rally as well. Uh, but rally can't be done in combat, which is a command ability you can do at the start of the hero phase to heal models in your army. And instead, rally is done, um, rally can't be done if you're in combat with that unit. This can be done if you're in combat with a unit. Also, uh, the courtiers in an army, also, uh, when we talk about those later, they also do healing as well, or what we call recursion and return models into an army as well. So you have got a great way of summoning loads of units, and we talked about that already. You're probably going to start the game with like a 2,400-point army, 2,500-point army, because of all the summoning that you're going to do uh, using your terrain feature. And then with this heroic action, and heroic action can be done in each hero phase, so my hero phase and the opponent's hero phase. So you can do this twice. So you've got to make sure, but it's got a limited range. 10 inches is rough, but it's not wholly within 10 inches. So you're going to have to make sure that you've always got a hero nearby. I think that's going to be the only difficult thing um, to, to maybe talk about this. Uh, and also, it's still dice dependent. You're rolling six dice. But if you spike really high, you know, you take a unit of Crypt Horrors that's nearly dead down to one model, and then you do a rally and you return two, 
and then you do this and you roll two five ups, you're going to put this four models back into that unit. So it goes from a unit that's basically over to a unit that's right back in the game. It's just wicked ability. Just a quick note of clarity. Uh, the muscle reinforcements heroic action can only be done in your hero phase. So you're only going to be able to do that command ability in your, sorry, that heroic action in your hero phase, not in every hero phase. So that's a, a distinction, super important to point out. I'd, uh, I'll put that out there. Okay, so we're going to talk about the sub-factions and the kind of generic sub-faction that you can build. There are four sub-factions, Morgan, Holomorn, Blistercorn, and Grit. Blistercorn? Blistercorn, a uh, great band, along with Gristlecore, the other hardcore band that you can play. Uh, now, the problem with these four sub-factions is that they are locked, uh, because this is an old book, so they are locked into making you take a command tray and making you take your first artifact. Now, if you take an enhancement, um, which is a battalion, or if you take a battalion that allows you to take an extra enhancement, you could take another artifact, but you're pretty much always going to be locked into that command trait. So what you can do if you want is you can kind of build your own uh, sub-faction with the Courts of Delusion. Uh, and then you can then choose from the pretty massive list of command traits and artifacts that are generically available. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how the, the sub-factions work. Now let's talk about what are in those sub-factions. Okay. So we're going to talk about the Courts of Delusion. So again, you cannot take any of these, uh, like, or you can't take one of these delusions if you're having a sub-faction. So if you're choosing Morgan or Hollowmorn, you can't roll for a delusion, okay? And you, <laughs> you're not going to roll for a delusion. The rule says you can roll for a delusion, but on your army list, you're going to write down that you chose one of these delusions, unless you're feeling, uh, feeling very primal, in which case you are going to take a delusion. Okay, so what have we got in here? Okay, there's pretty, there's pretty interesting ones. First one is Crusading Army, which is add one to run and charge rolls for friendly flesh eater course units. All of these delusions pretty much apply to, to most of the army. This is really good because as we talked about previously, you can summon units and being able to summon those units six inches on the board edge, nine inches away, means that you get plus one to the charge, making an eight inch charge versus a nine inch charge, really changing the math on your ability to get those charges in. So if you're looking to do some like deep strike mechanics, also plus one to run and charges is just generally good anyway, especially in a meta where you're doing redeploys, plus one to charge is great. Royal Hunt, you can reroll hit rolls and wound rolls of a one for uh, for one of the attacks made by a friendly flesh eater course unit that target a monster. So you can reroll hit rolls of one and wound rolls of one for attacks by friendly flesh eater course units that target a monster. Now this is actually kind of good because you can generate a ton of attacks. So being able to reroll ones uh, for, to hit and to wound means you're going to get more attacks through. But problematically, this is only targeting a monster and unless for some reason the whole game becomes about monsters, uh, which it isn't anymore. When giants were a thing, that was a thing. Uh, but it's not, and because it's locked to only doing it to monsters, it's not very good. Feast day, once per turn, you can use Feeding Frenzy command ability without a command point being spent. This is probably the most popular one. I think a lot of Flesh Eater Quartz players will say that this is life and this is love uh, because you are going to be so CP dependent. When this book was released, there wasn't as many uh, command abilities that you can do now, like things like redeploy, all out defense, all out attack. Um, were like these are new command abilities. So being able to use those command abilities are really important in some cases, especially with redeploy, game winning. And so being able to do feeding frenzy without a command point being spent is really good. Also really good if people are trying to debuff you, like make you spend more command points uh, to use a command ability uh, is also something that happens in the game. So that's really good. And that's why it's so popular because it keys into the key way this army plays, feeding frenzy. 
Then you've got a matter of honor. You can reroll hit rolls of one for attacks made by friendly flesh eater quartz units that target a hero. If that target is a general, you can reroll wound rolls of one as well. Now, this isn't really good for the same reason targeting the monster isn't really good. You've got to target heroes and then uh, and uh, you've got to target your general to get the most value out of this, which isn't great. But it's kind of interesting because it doesn't say that it's keyword locked to just melee attacks. So you could do missile attacks. And we kind of talked about uh, the uh, flayers, uh, so the crit flayer unit, who do have a shooting attack, which is 10 inch range. Uh, it's got four attacks. Um, per model, so 12 attacks from the unit. They hit on fours, they wound on threes, it's rend two, damage one. But they move 12 inches and they shoot 10 inches, which is a 22 inch threat range. So if you start targeting a hero and you hit on fours and with an all out attack, you can reroll ones. Um, sorry, you're hitting on threes, rerolling ones. Uh, and then if it's the general, then you'd be wound on threes, rerolling ones, rend two. It's not a lot of damage, but it's an interesting one, especially because. Especially because there is a uh, battle tactic, which we'll talk about later, um, which uh, you achieve if you destroy an enemy unit with screams. We asked ourselves if we thought we were in a hero meta. Uh, we probably are, but still this isn't that good. Uh, but it's it's interesting to think about. Then you've got the Grand Tournament, uh, which is you can reroll hit rolls of one for attacks made by friendly flesh equals heroes that other than your general. Your general is probably always going to be a Ghoul King on Terrorgeist. Uh, because he gets all this value from uh, the command traits and stuff. So probably you're not going to take that. And then you've got Defenders of the Realm. You can reroll save rolls of one for friendly flesh eater courts units that have at least half their models wholly within your own territory. Save rolls of one would be great if you're running things like Chaos Knights or Chaos Warriors because they have a great armor save already. Uh, you have a terrible armor save, so rerolling armor saves of one is not very valuable at all. So I wouldn't take that. Right, now we're gonna go and look at the command traits. So these are the command traits which your general can take, but uh, if you run any of the sub-factions, your command trait will be locked on your general, so you won't be able to choose these. Uh, so these you're gonna see quite rarely, and we're gonna go through these now. Uh, so you've got Bringer of Death. Uh, you can reroll wound rolls for attacks made by this general. Don't forget this is gonna be the general. Uh, and these are all, sorry, I should also point out, all these command traits are only for abhorrent heroes. So an abhorrent ghoul king on Terror Geist, an abhorrent ghoul king on Zombie Dragon, an abhorrent arc regent, and an abhorrent ghoul king. Now the abhorrent arc regent, and we'll talk about why in a bit, is an auto include. You're always gonna start your army list with an abhorrent arc regent in your army. So it's a pretty good one to be looking at the command traits and artifacts you can take for those characters. Um, and an abhorrent ghoul king uh, on Royal Terrorgeist is, uh, is uh, a, a terrifying thing, and we'll talk about that more later. Uh, but let's look at what we got. So, Bringer of Death, reroll wound rolls of one for attacks made by this general. Now, that sounds really great, but it won't be your mount. So, if you want it to be an abhorrent ghoul king Royal Terrorgeist, you're not going to take that uh, because you don't get to reroll the attacks on the mount, which is where you're going to get a lot of damage. You've got Frenzied Flesh Eater. You can reroll hit and wound rolls for attacks made by this general if there are any models that have suffered any wounds with three inches of this general. That sounds great, again, but you're not doing the same thing. What you're looking for from a command trait, and I've said this in multiple videos, is you're looking for something that lets your unit scale. You're looking for an economies of scale buff uh, or something that makes lots of units good, not like a singular unit, unless that unit is like meta-defining uh, or like, you know, army-defining. But in this case, none of those things do that. Savage Beyond Reason, if the unmodified hit roll for an attack made with a melee weapon, but general is a six, that attack inflicts two mortal wounds on the target instead of one, make a wound and save roll for each hit. That doesn't benefit us at all either, uh, because that doesn't do anything, because again, that's just some extra damage. 
Then you've got Majestic Horror. If this general is chosen as the model that uses a command ability that summons a fresh course model to the battlefield, they can use it without a command point having been spent. Same thing, again, that isn't a benefit at all because you can just be near a unit, uh, near the Charnel Throne to be able to just do that for free. And you've got Dark Wizardry. Add one to the casting, dispelling, and unbinding roles for this general. And this is amazing, especially in the current GHB. Because in the current GHB, we've got Primal Dice, hashtag Primal. Uh, and uh, primal dice are really important because you get, add, get to add a d6 to your casting value, but if you roll a double six, your opponent can't stop it, um, but then you can't cast in more spells. If you roll a double one, you suffer a primal miscast. But a flat plus one is really good, especially to dispelling and especially to unbinding because you can roll a d6 for either of those. You can add primal dice to either of those two rolls either. So this is really, really good. And it's also really good because you can take it on a unit, the Abhorrent Art Regent, who you're always going to auto-include in your army. And the reason you're going to auto-include him is because you get to uh, cast a spell with him. So adding anything to the casting role is really, really good. So Dark Wizardry is excellent. Uh, and then, uh, and, and it also combos with uh, two battle tactics. There's a battle tactic in the new GHB, uh, which is to cast a spell and your opponent doesn't stop you. The best tactic for that is just to be outside of 30 inches, but having pluses to cast is going to be a bonus to that. Um, and also having bonuses to dispel and unbind is also going to stop your opponent achieving that. Uh, then also there's a there's a battle tactic for unbinding and endless spell, which this is also really good as well. And then finally you've got completely delusional. Once per battle, if this general has not been slain, you can pick a new delusion in your hero phase to replace the original delusion you chose for your army. This is kind of okay if you want to try and uh, build like a tricksy build army, but I'm not massively a fan of this. And of all of them, Dark Wizardry is my pick. So we're going to look at the artifacts now for Abhorrent Heroes. And again, those are the Abhorrent Ghoul King or Royal Terrorgeist and the one on the Zombie Dragon, the Abhorrent Arc Regent and the Abhorrent Ghoul King. Now, as we already said, we're always going to see the Abhorrent Arc Regent in the list, and probably most of the time, always an Abhorrent Ghoul King on Royal Terrorgeist, because they're like the big punch unit in our army. They're the bloodthirster, the stonehorn of this book. There are six different artifacts you can take, and again, if you're going for a sub-faction, the first artifact you take is keyword locked, or it's locked in the one you have to take. But if you aren't, then there's some really nice combos you can do here. Don't forget, you always get one free artifact in your army, and also, if you take one of the battalions, you can get an additional artifact, which is really great. So the first one is the Signet of the First Court. If the unmodified wound roll for an attack made by the bearer is with the melee weapon as a six, add one to the damage inflicted by that attack. Again, that's just going to be the bearer. It's not going to apply to the mount. Um, so it's just not good. Like, it's fine, but it's not great. Then you've got Splinter Vein Brooch. Subtract one from the casting rolls for enemy wizards while they're within 18 inches of the bearer. And in this particular GHB, in the current game we're in now, this is amazing. Specifically because the, everyone's trying to do a bunch of different spells. They're trying to do Hoarfrost, which is increasing the efficacy of loads of little units. They're trying to do 46 Mortal Wound Spell, which is cast on a 12. And so making them have to use Primal Dice, where they might potentially Primal Miscast, is a really good shout. Some of the spells in this game are going to wreck you. And as we already talked about, we don't want people casting things like Geminids into our army, because that's really going to mess us up. So this is good, and you're going to have to put this on like a frontline character, so it's going to have to go on one of your big monsters that's going to run forward and get in a fight. Uh, but I think that this is legitimately is good, should be something you maybe think about taking. The next one is Blood River Chalice, which is once per battle at the start of your hero phase, the bearer can use this artifact. 
If they do so, heal up to D6 wounds, which is hilarious when Soblight Gravelords heal six every combat phase on their characters. So this is terrible. Um, it's just of its time. Then you've got the Grim Garland. Now, a lot of love for this in the chat, so I want to make sure I point that out. Subtract two from the braver characteristic of enemy units while they're within six inches of the bearer. Now, there's something like kind of good and bad about this. It's good because this ties in really nicely with the scream that you get from a Terrorgeist, which does mortal wounds. Uh, so uh, if you look at it here, the Death Shriek has an ability where you roll above the bravery and you do that many mortal wounds. And while that's kind of okay, and we'll do some mortal wounds, um, it doesn't now work with flayers who've had their war scroll updated. So I don't think it's as good as it was before, where you would have Terrorgeist and flayers all doing their shouts and doing a ton of different damage. Now it's only going to affect certain units, and so I don't think it's as good as it was. The Dermal Robe is probably my favorite pick of the of the six, which is add one to casting, dispelling, and unbinding rolls for the bearer. If you combine this with the commentary we talked about previously, you're going to have one unit that's on plus two to cast, plus two to dispel, and plus two to unbinds. If you were to then take a battalion, um, a core battalion, and then take the Splinter Vein Brooch, you would be at plus two to cast, uh, sorry, plus two to dispel, uh, no, sorry, plus two to unbind. I'll make sure I use the right words. Plus two to unbind while they're at minus one to cast, giving you an advantage of plus three to what you previously were at. Then when you add primal dice in, I think you're in a good spellcasting place with this army. Uh, and this army really wants to cast spells as well. This army wants to cast spells and do command abilities. So if either of those two are shut down, they're in a bad place. And then the final one is the most primal and therefore the best one to talk about in this GHB. The heart of the gargant, the liver of the donkey, yeah, the the gizzards of a lizard wizard. And this is once per battle, at the start of the combat phase, the bearer can use this artifact. If they do so, they reroll failed wound rolls for the bearer and then mount that phase. So it doesn't have quite as much of an overarching impact as the splinter vein brooch and the dermal robe, but it is going to allow you to reroll uh, the damage on your big fighty abhorrent ghoul king on uh, Terrorgeist, which um, is pretty good. And it's very primal, so let's do that. Let's do that. Definitely Dermal Robe and Splinter Vein Brooch has to be the winners here, in my opinion, mainly because you want to cast spells and you want to shut down spells. And having that big points difference can be really important. So those are the big winners for me. Now we're going to look at the command traits for Courtier heroes. Those include the Crypt Gas Courtier, the Crypt Haunter Courtier, the Crypt Infernal Courtier, and the Vargulf Courtier, and Duke Crack marrow. Now these are, uh, was described in the chat, these are healing wagons. Uh, the, their job is to use the muster ability, which we talked about. Uh, there's a heroic action, which is a bit like muster, and then all of these characters have muster on their war scroll, which is gonna let you heal or return models into friendly units. So they're gonna be running behind them most of the time. So that's their job or their role in the army. Uh, but these are the command traits you can take if one of them wants to be your general, okay? So we've got a bringer of death. As a command trait, you can reroll wound rolls for attacks made by this general. All of these characters are foot characters that aren't very fast, so they're not going to get into combat very quickly, and they also don't do tons of damage. So, don't want that. Frenzy Flesh Eater, reroll hit, uh, hit and wound rolls for attacks made by this general. If there are any enemy models that have suffered wounds in three inches of this general, again, same, no, we don't want that. Savage Beyond Reason is the unmodified hit roll for an attack made by the melee weapon by this general as a six. That attack inflicts two hits on the target instead of one. Make a wound roll and save roll for each hit. Now this might be quite useful if we're going to make a smash bat, which we'll talk about in a minute, and kind of fights for a dark acolyte in that roll. Then you've got Hulking Brute. Add one of this general's wounds characteristic. They're 
they've got so few wounds, don't bother with that. And then Cruel Taskmaster, if this general uses the muster ability, you can re-roll the dice for this general that determine if a slain model or return to units. This might be quite good if you're going very focused on making sure you return models to unit, especially if you're taking a unit of, let's say, Crypt Flares or Crypt Horrors, which are multi-wound models, and you're buffing them up to a unit of nine. You might want to make sure that when you do start to return models to that unit, you effectively do it really, really quickly. So this might be something you focus on. Uh, and then you've got the Cruel Taskmaster. Well, that's what we talked about. And then you've got Dark Acolyte. Um, and then this is the general gains the wizard keyword and can cast an unbind spells in the same manner as an abhorrent ghoul king um, and the abhorrent ghoul king's war scroll. So there's a couple of things to talk about here because making a unit a wizard that wasn't previously a wizard is good because that means you're going to gain access to uh, a bunch of spells like Mystic Shield and Arcane Bolt and also be able to choose a spell from the spell law for Flesh Eater Course. But also in this current GHB, it also means you're going to be an Andorian Locus in most cases, which means you have nine wounds or less uh, and you aren't a unique character. So out of the list, it's only true Crack Marrow that won't be on the list. The rest of them will be able to become Andorian Locuses. By becoming Andorian Locuses, they also are going to get to choose the spells from this GHB, which is the Law of Hoarfrost. Um, and so then you're going to be able to take some pretty good spells like Hoarfrost, uh, sorry, the Law of Blizzard. No, it's not called the Law of Hoarfrost. It's called the Law of something else. But you're going to be able to take the spell Hoarfrost and also Merciless Blizzard. So one of them does 46 mortal wounds and one of them uh, allows you to get uh, a D3 characteristic change. The one you're probably looking for is Ren 3. So that's quite good. So Dark Acolyte feels like that's actually pretty decent as a general command trait, which is quite fun. Something really fun to talk about uh, in here, we'll talk about now, uh, is if you were to stick this on a Vargulf core tier. Uh, and you can make something called a Smash Bat. So Vargulf Cortia is 160 points and 60 mil base. It's got four attacks, but when we get round to it, there's a way to add up to four attacks uh, to this unit from spells. Then with the King's Champion ability, uh, you get to add an additional two attacks, taking them to 10 attacks. Um, you can give them all out. Uh, you can give them all out attack, which is going to give them plus one to their attack characteristic. Means that they're going to be hitting on twos. And also, you can make it so their finest hour, a heroic action to be finest houred once per battle. Then they get to add plus one to their wounds characteristic as well. So we hit on twos, wound on twos. And if we take one of our sub factions we talked about earlier, um, what we can do is if we target an enemy hero or an enemy general, we're going to get reroll ones to hit and reroll ones to wound. Now, if we are a wizard, then we can do a flaming weapon on our guy, uh, which is a generic spell that you can take. Uh, and that means they can take his immense claws profile to damage three. And then finally, if we cast Hoarfrost on this character, then we can have the, make them have Rend three. So you would end up with 10 attacks, fighting twice, uh, because you can use the command ability to pile an attack twice, uh, hitting on threes, uh, sorry, hit on twos, rerolling ones, wound on twos, rerolling ones, run three, damage three. So 30 damage, and then pile and attack twice, do another 30 damage. But in order for that to happen, uh, you need to commit to having uh, your command trait be on this 160 point model that's got eight wounds and a five up save. You're going to need to cast up to five, four spells, maybe five spells to make that happen. So it's not something very reliable, but it's something very fun. And you could create this absolute missile which I think is really interesting. Um, the other version of this is if you don't take Dark Acolyte and instead you take Savage Beyond Reason, you still would get those 10 attacks, but instead every time you roll a six, you do two mortal wounds instead of making it so you get plus one damage. So um, I probably wouldn't take any of these and instead I'd be taking plus one to cast like we talked about earlier. But 
it's fun knowing you can build some really fun like missile combos out of this unit. So I like that. That's good. That's really, really good. Uh, really, really fun. Good point being brought up by the chat, uh, and I should re reinforce this, is obviously you couldn't use all that attack, which you use in the combat phase, and also use Feeding Frenzy, which is a command ability, because you use both of those in the combat phase. When you do, uh, when you use a command ability, you can't use a command ability more than once in a phase, unless there's something that says that you can. So that's something to point out. So yes, you wouldn't be able to uh, do both of those two things. So you can also do artifacts for that list of characters as well. So the Crypt Gas Courtier, Crypt Haunter Courtier, the Crypt Infernal Courtier. So these are the artifacts you can take. You've got the Keening Bone, which is pick one of the bearer's melee weapons, increase the range characteristic of that weapon by three inches. None of these units are overly good other than maybe uh, the Smash Bat, our good old Vargulf Courtier. So no, don't hit that. You've got Medal of Madness. Once per battle, the bearer can issue the at the double, forward to victory and inspiring presence command from the core rules as if they were general and without a command point being spent. It's once per battle and it's ACP. That's a no. It's not very useful at all. The flayed pennant, you can reroll charge rolls for friendly flesh of course units holding within 12 inches of the bearer. Now that isn't actually that bad because this is an army that wants to charge. So rerolling charges feels like a bonus. So I, I think that'd be pretty fun. Um, but still probably not what you take. Like it's an option. The other two aren't options. That's on the list of maybe options. You've got the carrion one, which is honestly so terrible. Like, you hear a phase, the bearer can attempt to cast the arcane bolt spell as if they were a wizard. If they're a wizard, add plus one to the casting roll, which is so bad when you have another artifact that's just plus one to all of the casts that you do. So this is very bad. You've got the flesh form raiment, which is subtract one from the bravery characteristic of enemy units while they're within three inches, which you could double up with the Grim Garland from earlier, so a unit is minus three to the bravery. So if you wanted to shout at them or try to cause them to run away from Battleshock using endless spells like Horogast or Geminids, then maybe that's a really good call, but I don't think I would take that. And you've got to be within three inches as well. And all of the characters that can take this are quite squishy and aren't going to survive more than a turn. And then finally, you've got the Bilious Decanter. Once per battle, at the start of the combat phase, the bearer can use this artifact, and if they do so, add two to the attacks characteristic of the bearer's melee weapons in that phase. So, this is pretty important, especially if we're talking about the smash bat we talked about earlier. Remember we got him up to 10 attacks, re-rolling to hit, um, then now we're gonna be on 12 attacks. Hitting on threes, re-rolling ones, win on twos, re-rolling ones, rend three, damage three. But we have now committed all of our damage for a maximum, though, of 72 damage. We've committed all of our resources to make it happen. But, like, amazing. Uh, absolutely amazing. Um, so I think that's really fun. And uh, you could do something really, really fun with that. The first sub-faction we're going to look at is Blisterkin. Now, the ability you get if you're running Blisterkin, and by the way, I should also point out that if you do have Blisterkin as your sub-faction, this makes Flayers be battle line, so crit flares, they become battle line in your army. Being battle line means that you can reinforce them twice. Normally you can only reinforce a unit once, so from these are coming units of three, so unit three to unit six, but because they're battle line, you can reinforce them twice, so you can take a unit of up to nine, which is really nice. The ability that you get in this sub-faction is blistering speed, which adds two inches to the move characteristic of blisterkin units. That's to make these units very fast. Uh, it makes ghouls move eight inches, it makes the flayers move 14 inches. There's a command ability, uh, which is effectively a redeploy, well, sorry, a teleport for a unit. 
in the army. That unit has to be flying, but you do have the universal spell Levitate that you can put into your army, um, which is from the core book. So you can make any unit in the army fly and then do a teleport with it. The issue is you end up nine inches away, and I don't really know why you would want to do that, to be honest. Um, your army can also already move fast enough, I guess. Uh, I think the only real reason to do it maybe is to do it on a unit of ghouls. But uh, if you look at the spell, when we talk about spell lore later, there's probably a more reliable way of making that unit move closer to the enemy. Deploying outside of nine inches is always a bit of a problem because a nine inch charge is more likely to fail than not than succeed. Uh, so with a reroll, I think it comes up to like 52%, 48%. So it's, it's quite unlikely. So allowing your whole game plan to work off this feels pretty weak. So I'm not a huge fan of the command ability. The command trait, though, is good. Hellish Orator. If this general's on the battlefield, at the start of your hero phase, roll a dice. And on a 4+, plus, you receive one additional command point. For an army that wants a lot of CP, wants to use a lot of command abilities, especially because of Feeding Frenzy, this feels like it's very good. And then you've got the artifact of power, the Eye of Heesh, which is subtract one from hit rolls for attacks made with missile weapons that target friendly ballisticking units holding within six inches of the bearer. Now, this is kind of worse than it was before the Battle Scroll update that we got recently. The Battle Scroll update has actually been a massive boon to the Flesh Eater Quartz army. What it says is that if you are with, if you have one of your heroes that's below nine wounds and is within three inches of, uh, is it within three inches? Let me just double check. Uh, uh, within three inches of, yes, of a unit with three or more models, within three inches of a unit with three or more models, then uh, as long as it's not mounted, it can't be targeted by missile weapons outside of 12 inches. So one of your heroes, less than 10 wounds, near a friendly unit with three or more models, within three inches of them, can't be targeted outside of 12 inches. So being minus one to hit doesn't really benefit you in any particular way in that situation. Um, and you don't have any characters that are that low wounds that are mounted. The only thing that this is gonna benefit is your big monsters and they definitely don't want to be shot uh, but since this came out i think shooting's got a little bit stronger carriage and overlords obviously a very good shooting army uh, they're very offensive there's lots of things like bliss barb uh, archers as well which can do a lot of damage so it's kind of okay but i don't think in the current ghb this is actually a benefit the current ghb has actually been a huge benefit or the battle scroll update to flesh eater courts as an army anyway because you're just going to be able to uh, not have some of your main characters be shot outside of 12 inches so amazing stuff love that so bliskin it's okay not a bad sub faction the next sub faction is gristlegore the ability you get for running a gristlegore army is peerless ferocity this is if you're going to run a monster mash army if the unmodified hit roll for an attack made by gristlegore hero or gristlegore monster is a six that attack inflicts two hits on that target instead of one, and make a wound and save roll for each hit. So you get what we call exploding sixes, uh, which is going to be very good. This sub-faction, you're allowed to take terror geists and zombie dragons as your battle line units. Now, you still can't reinforce them. Uh, I know I did say that about battle line units previously, but you're not going to be able to reinforce those units. Uh, but um, uh, they become your battle line. Now, I'm not overly a fan of riderless monsters. Games Workshop never really written them very well. Uh, there's... There's maybe an argument for having a bunch of them, but the reason this is going to work so well, the Peerless Victory Ferocity ability, is because it just makes your Gawking on Terrorgeist so much more scary. It's going to make everything do a ton more damage, which is really why you take it. Uh, then there's a command ability called Call to War, and this is effectively Death Frenzy or Fight on Death. Um, and if your unit is killed, then you can fight on death. Now there's some really important distinctions to make here, most importantly that it's a command ability. So you aren't going to be able to use the command ability to fight twice, 
uh, in this with this command ability because they happen in the same phase. So you aren't going to be able to like die and fight twice, or fight and uh, fight twice and then die, which is a bit of a shame, uh, to be honest. Um, but this is good still, like really, really strong. Like if you get caught out in the wrong position, your opponent charges you, you still have a very good combat monster that's going to be able to do some damage before it is taken off the board. So you actually you actually still got a pretty great bonus from this. So this is still very legitimate. You just have to make sure you have a command point available. You have to make sure you aren't roared because that will stop that from working, which is really bad. Um, so it's, it's really good. It's really, really good. But in the wrong in, in a few situations, it can be really bad. Uh, then you've got the command tray, uh, Savage Strike, which is really excellent as well. Uh, this strike first effect applies to the general and their mount if they made a charge move in the same turn. This is really good because your uh, big monsters are very fast. Uh, you, we are going to be able to give them run and charge. We'll talk about that in a minute. So charge in, do a ton of damage, and fight twice. So this is this is really good. Like This is just a big missile uh, and it's just very good. And then you've got the artifact of power, Gurish Morshard. Once per battle at the start of the combat phase, you can pick one enemy model within an inch of the character and roll a dice. And if the roll is greater than the model's wounds characteristic, that model is slain. So you just auto-slay a unit, which is kind of okay. Uh, it's not bad at all. i got to say, Grisogor is still as good. It's not as good as when it was first written, but it's still very good. You can take a massive combat monster, buff him up with loads of spells to do loads of damage, then... You can make them strike first, you can make them strike twice, and just blow a massive hole in the enemy army, which is honestly a major threat. And the Ghoul King on Terror Geist has still, to this day, got some of, the, some of the biggest output in Age of Sigmar, so this is a nice set of abilities, really. The next sub-faction is Hollow Morn, and in this sub-faction, uh, Crypt Horrors become Battle Line, and Crypt, Crypt Horrors uh, have had an update in this book, the Harbingers book, the Dawnbringers Harbingers book. So they have had an update. Uh, so we will talk about those when we get to the War Scrolls in a bit. Uh, so they become battle line. The ability you get is Shattering Charge. You can reroll wound rolls of one for attacks made by melee weapons, by friendly Holomorn courtier units, and friendly Holomorn knights units that have a charge move in the same turn. Those uh, knight units are flayers and horrors. And I think we're going to talk about horrors a lot in this sub-faction. Holomorn courtiers are the... Cryptgas Courtier, the Haunter Courtier, and you probably, if you're going to make a smash bat, a Vargulf Courtier is what you're talking about. The command ability in this uh, in this subfaction is Ravenous Crusaders. You can use this command ability at the start of the hero phase. If you do so, you pick a friendly Holomorn unit, wholly within nine inches of a hero or 18 inches of the general. Um, add one to run and charge off that unit until your next hero phase. In addition to your next hero phase, that unit can still run and charge later in the same turn. So you effectively are getting plus two to their movement because you're always going to run and charge. Spend a CP and you can make those uh, horrors that we talked about, uh, which start out at base move seven. Uh, they're effectively going to be going uh, 15 inches and then be able to charge. Uh, if you use a CP, uh, oh no, you wouldn't be able to do both. Uh, okay, uh, you can use command at the start of your hero phase. Oh, you can do both. You can do Ravenous Crusaders and use the ability to auto-run six. So you can do both together. So 15 inches and then charge. It's pretty fast. I'm not going to lie. The command trait for the general that you have in this army um, uh, is add one to the attack characteristic and the damage characteristic of this general's melee weapons while this general is within three inches of any enemy heroes. It's called Grave Robber. It's super cool. Uh, any enemy heroes with an artifact of power. So if an enemy hero's got an artifact of power, you're going to get plus one attack characteristic and plus one to your damage characteristic, which is kind of fun. I quite like the idea of doing that. That's really cool. Um, 
especially if you can then add uh, plus more to the damage characteristic like we talked about earlier if you make a smash bat and then artifact power is the corpse fane gauntlet which is after this model uh, makes a charge move you can pick one enemy unit within one inch of this model roll dice on a two plus that enemy unit suffers d3 mortal wounds so that doesn't really do anything so as a sub faction is quite interesting you're going to get units going much faster. You're going to have a big brick of nine Crypt Horrors, potentially, if you want to, or multiple units of nine Crypt Horrors, or two units, sorry, um, which is fun. The Grave Robber artifact maybe means you can make a really fighty smash bat, which is quite cool as well. Um, and uh, when you do have those big Crypt Horror units, uh, they're going to get to reroll wound rolls of one for attacks made by melee weapons, uh, which is also good for them as well, uh, because this is such an old book. It's five years old. It was released in 2018. It's got so many rerolls in it. So Holland one seems really good, especially with the update uh, to Horrors, sorry, the Crypt Horrors, um, and the ability to potentially do Hallfrost on them as well, uh, which we'll talk about later. The last sub-faction we're going to look at is Morgan. And this is the one that is probably the most problematic because the book is so old. And we'll talk about why in a moment. Uh, we're going to talk about the Blood Loyalty ability, or Bloody Loyalty ability. You can reroll hit rolls of one for friendly Morgan quarter units that are wholly within 12 inches of friendly Morgan serfs, which are the ghouls. So if you're near ghouls or royal beast flayers, then your Morgan courtiers, which are just like your dudes and wizards, get to reroll ones to hit. So that's pretty bad and not really a reason to take it. However, the next ability doesn't currently work. In addition, while a friendly Morgan surfs unit, uh, and so again, that would either be um, uh, Morgan surfs would be our crypt ghouls or royal beast flayers, is holding within 12 inches of a friendly Morgan courtier, its boundless ferocity ability activates if the serfs unit has 10 or more models. Now, in the old Ghoul's War Scroll, then you could have 20 models and something would happen. And this also happens in the current Ghoul's War Scroll. Um, if you have, uh, you auto wound on sixes to hit, so you don't need to roll to wound. And if you have 20 or more models, that happens on fives. Uh, but this, uh, the, the Morgan ability doesn't interact with that because the way it's written, it doesn't quite work, and so that needs an FAQ. If I was to FAQ it, if you're playing this with your friends, I would probably say that what this means is that, that it, you are going to auto-wound people with a unit of ghouls on fives, but obviously that would be my FAQ, and this, uh, this currently doesn't work in the game, so you're going to need to wait for an official Games Workshop uh, FAQ, or you're going to have to speak to your local tournament organizer to ask what it is that they want you to do. So there's a, there's a problem there. Moving on to the next uh, thing, the command ability, Heaving Masses, is also a problem here. Uh, so you can use the command ability when a friendly Morgan Surf's unit is destroyed. Uh, so again, Surf's would either be uh, our Crypt Ghouls or our Royal Beast Flayers. If you do so, roll a dice on a 4+, a new identical unit that was destroyed, is added to your army, set up new unit, holding in 6 inches at the edge of the battlefield, and more than 9 inches away. So if I've got 30 Crypt Ghouls, you kill them, I use this command ability on a 4+, plus, a new identical unit is destroyed. You cannot use this command ability more than once per phase. Uh, so this is a really nice way of recycling a big brick of ghouls um, uh, and putting them somewhere else. Now, the, way, the reason that this doesn't work is because of Nagash. Nagash has had a War Scroll update in the OCR Bone Reaper book, and he has an ability called the Supreme Lord of the Undead, which is, at the start of the hero phase, you can pick one friendly summonable, Mordant or OCR Bone Reaper unit. And I know, like, on a personal level, I hate that everything in the Flesh Eater Courts book is, oh, by the way, uh, these are serfs. 
um, uh, like okay, cool. But you're talking about the serfs are the serfs keyword is talking about crypt ghouls. You're like okay, that's fine. And then the crypt ghouls themselves have the mordants keyword at the bottom of their war scroll, and you're like, oh my god. And then Nagash's ability works on mordants, which is so dumb. But anyway, what I'm effectively saying is Nagash has got an ability where when a unit is slain on a three plus, he gets to return that unit. And, but at half strength. So those 30 ghouls would return as 15 ghouls. I think rules was written now, and it has already been played at an event at Warhammer World, so no one has uh, said that you can't do it. Um, what's happened is uh, you, someone has taken it so that 30 ghouls died, and then they used the command ability heaving masses to return 30 crypt ghouls, and they used Nagash's ability to return 15 crypt ghouls. So those 30 crypt ghouls turned into 45 crypt ghouls. So you ended up with more crypt ghouls, um, uh, which is insane uh, and doesn't really work at all. Um, uh, so then, uh, so yeah, so that doesn't work and probably also needs an FAQ. And then finally, we've got the command trait Savage Chivalry, which can reroll hit rolls of one for this general, while this general is within 12 inches a friendly Morgan serves unit. That's not good because you don't want the general to be in a fight, really. Like, maybe, but probably not. Uh, and then Decrepit, uh, sorry, Decrepit Coronet, which is the artifact of power. Do not shake battle shot test for friendly Morgan units while they're holding than 12 inches of bearer or 18 inches of general. And this is great because you're running loads of ghouls and your ghouls have got low bravery. So you're going to want this. This is a great little ability uh, that you want if you're running loads and loads of ghouls. And I think running loads of ghouls is, is honestly very legit. Um, so the command ability is nice, but it becomes a problem if you involve Nagash, which you can take in this army. And the artifact of power is really great uh, because your units aren't going to run away. So just amazing. Uh, I think ultimately really cool. Like that a lot um, and fun. But unfortunately, we need FAQs on some of those bits. Right, we're going to talk about the spell law now. Uh, so this is a spell law for this, uh, this army. And it's called the Law of Madness. Now, don't forget, we are now in an, a crazy spellcasting place with Primal Dice in this GHB. And also, your wizards in this army are a little bit more safe because of the changes to Lookout Sir. So they probably won't get shot at range, which is also quite nice as well. So you're gonna be casting more spells more reliably, and that's actually a huge bonus. So let's talk about what we got. We've got Bone Storm, which is cast on a five, and it's got a range of 12 inches, and uh, every unit in range on a two plus surface of Mortal Wound. You won't be taking this. Uh, because a lot of the War Scroll spells for these army uh, units are going to be the ones that you're casting, so um, and that doesn't really do anything. Spectral Host uh, is one you're definitely going to be taking. It's cast on a six, and if successfully cast, you pick a friendly unit wholly within 12 inches of the caster that's visible to them. That unit can fly until your next hero phase. If that unit can already fly, like a Ghoul King on Terrorgeist, but also if you've cast uh, Fly, so Levitate on a unit as well, that unit can run and charge. If you cast it on a 10, then you can pick up to three different units. Now with Primal Dice, this is gonna be super easy to cast on a 10. So you can now have three units run and charge, which is pretty amazing. So if you wanted to do three big monsters, like Terrorgeist or stuff, or if you wanted to have a Terrorgeist, 
and also if you wanted to try and cast like uh, uh, you know levitate on a unit of ghouls and make them run and charge and get them running up the board that's pretty funny but like this is the new GHB has really opened up the fact that you can cast these spells on a 10 or more and that's going to really change how fast this army is which I think is good because previously you would pretty reliably cast it on one unit and that one unit would have to run off on its own now you can cast it on multiple units and have a more aggressive army like Iron Jaws which is cool uh, then we've got Monstrous Vigor, uh, which is effectively a spell cast on a five, and it lets your monstrous unit fight at the top bracket until the next hero phase, which isn't bad, especially on your most important unit, but they don't tend to bracket tons. So, like, uh, it's not terrible, but it's not going to be uh, really, really important. Miasmal Shroud is cast on a five, and you pick an enemy within 18 inches and roll three dice. For each five up, they suffer a mortal wound, which doesn't do a lot, but if you roll a triple, then minus one to hit and minus one to wound. If you roll a double, they're minus one to hit. Minus one to hit isn't bad. I, honestly, it's really not a bad debuff. 18-inch range is also a good range to cast that spell. Uh, problem with this is, though, is you are relying on rolling a triple or a double on that cast roll, uh, that, that roll and it's probably not going to happen very often, so I probably won't take that. Deranged Transformation is cast on six, and you pick a friendly unit with a wounds characteristic of up to six that is wholly within 24 inches of the cast and visible to them. Add that unit's wounds characteristic to its move characteristic until your next hero phase. For example, if the unit has a wounds characteristic of six, you would add six inches to this move characteristic, and if the casting roll was ten or more, you can pick up to three friendly units to be affected by this spell instead, this spell instead of one. Now, this is going to work really well on something like Crypt Horrors, because they've got a wounds characteristic of four, so that with their base movement of seven, you're going to be able to take that up to 11 inches, which is quite nice. And if we do Spectral Host, and we make, or if we make them fly and do Spectral Host, or if we take them in the sub-faction where they can run and charge, these guys can be going like 15, 16 inches across the board and then charging. So that's pretty good. Um, it's not terrible. It's like, it's, there's so many spells you want to cast in this army to buff your units up. That's how, you know, that use that necromantic spell casting to make this army stronger. Um, I probably wouldn't take that. And then finally you've got Blood Feast, which is cast on seven, and you pick an enemy unit within 12 inches of the caster, and it's visible to them, and you and a friendly flesh eater corpse unit within six inches of that enemy unit. The enemy unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. If you've cast it on 10 or more, they suffer D6 mortal wounds. For each mortal wound you heal, you can heal a wound into that unit, or if they're one, a one-wound model unit, like ghouls, then you can return... Uh, a model for each mortal wound that you caused. So if you did five mortal wounds to the unit, you could either return five ghouls or heal five into a unit, uh, which is pretty good. So, I mean, obviously the strongest one here is Spectral Host, because you're going to be able to make units run and charge. And we've already talked about the fact that this, uh, this army wants to charge. It wants to do all of its damage in combat and run around. So I feel like that's really good as well. Um, and Blood Feast also feels really good as well, because being able to heal those big monsters feels like that's something really quite useful as well. Um, so I quite like all of those. We're going to move on to the War Scrolls, which is super exciting. And we are going to talk about the Abhorrent Arc Regent. This model, uh, this unit is just an auto-include in your army. There's, uh, there's no way. Probably the best economies of scale unit in the game. Just does incredible stuff. Let's talk about why. He's got seven wounds with a four-up save, so he's going to be able to benefit from Lookout Sir. He's not mounted, so uh, as long as he stays near a unit of three or more models, he's not going to be able to targetable outside of 12 inches. Uh, he moves six inches, which is fast enough, but he's not going to be going anywhere, which is cool. Um, he's got a couple of abilities. Okay in a fight as well with seven attacks. Uh, threes to hit, threes to wound, ren one damage two. That's really not why he's there. 
the reason he's there, that's the, per that's the reason we'll just talk about straight away, is he's a wizard and he casts two different spells. Um, but the spell on his war scroll is Ferocious Hunger and this is why he's so good. Ferocious Hunger is cast on a six and if successfully cast, pick a fleshy of quartz unit wholly within 24 inches, uh, which is crazy, uh, and add the roll to the attack's characteristic of melee weapons used by that unit until your next hero phase so you roll a d3 okay so incredible stuff so 24 inches great range holy within that's uh, amazing that's most of the board castle six much easier to cast um like which is really good in a in a world of primal dice crazy easy and then you add d3 to the number of attacks so this is how you would take ghouls and you give them plus three attacks or horrors and give them plus three attacks or your ghoul king on terror guys so we'll talk about soon you have plus three attacks to all of his weapon profiles which is bonkers he's also a two cast wizard and also an andorian locus in this ghb which means that you're going to be able to add uh Horfrost as his chosen spell um and that means that you could then also uh be able to make a unit have uh, D3 rend or um, hit on twos or wound on twos. So like, uh, but that's kind of like a side note. And But that's how I would load this model up. But that spell is just defining. You might even take two of this model specifically because you might want to guarantee that this model doesn't die. But thanks to New Lookout, sir, uh, it's really, really good. Uh, so he's even more survivable than he was previously. So you are just going to get one of these, maybe two of these. Uh, he's got some other great abilities as well, specifically Imperial Blood. In your hero phase, you can heal up to three wounds allocated to this model. It starts with seven wounds with a four-up armor save, so that's pretty uh, pretty chunky uh, for a wounds characteristic. Also with uh, the heroic action uh, to heal D3 in each hero phase if you're not in combat, then he's probably never going to die unless something could just do seven wounds straight away from the back of the board because he should be quite far away with a 24 inch range spell and then finally he's got the command ability summon imperial guard you can use this command ability at the end of your movement phase if you do so pick one friendly model that has this command ability and has not used it before in the battle that model summons one of the following units to the battlefield one courtier which consists of either a crypt gas courtier a haunted courtier infernal courtier or a vargulf courtier uh, one unit of up to three knights, which is either Crypt Flayers or Crypt Horrors, and then a unit of 20 serfs, which is either Crypt Ghouls or Royal Beast Flayers. The summon unit is added to your army and must be set within six inches of the battlefield edge and nine inches away from the enemy. Now, lots of the heroes that we're going to talk about do this, and if you remember, when we go and talk about the terrain piece, if you're uh, in the terrain piece and there's someone garrisoning it, you're going to be able to do this for free. Now, since uh, this book was written... Uh, you would normally always just get 20 ghouls. It's pretty good. Maybe you would go for three flares or something. However, in the current version of this book, you're going to take the unit of Royal Beast Flayers. And that's the new Warcry Warband, and they are amazing for a couple of different reasons. If you're buying them in your army, they're 115 points, uh, and they come in unit sizes of 10. Don't forget, if you are taking the Abhorrent Art Regent, who's 240 points, by the way, but worth every penny, really, really good, um then he uh, is going to summon 20 serfs, not 10 serfs. But we'll talk about the Royal Beast Flayers themselves for a moment uh, because they're quite complicated. A, they have a variety of different models in the unit. They have a five-up armor save, uh, and they've only got one wound, and they move six inches. But the important part to note is that the Royal Flame Master, uh, so one model in 10 gets to be a Royal Flame Master, and he's got a melee profile that's two attacks, threes and threes, rend one, damage three. 
and then two of our, out of every 10 models get to be an awful hound, <laughs> a big baboon. And they have three attacks each, hit on fours, uh, wound on three, rend one, damage two. That's pretty amazing as a profile. But using the Borok Art region, and because of the Surf keyword, you can summon a unit of 20 of these, which means you're gonna have two Royal Flame Masters, which means four attacks at damage three, and you're also going to have um, uh, four Baboons, which means you're gonna have 12 attacks at damage two. But I think you know where this is going. Don't forget, every unit that we're gonna talk about from this point on in this book is going to be adding up to D3 attacks to it if it gets a spell cast on it. So you could have, uh, which is pretty amazing, you could have five attacks on the hunting pole arm and you could have a unit of 20. Uh, so it'd be 10 attacks at damage three, 10 attacks at damage three. Just think of that. If you were to stick Hoarfrost on them, it'd be 10 attacks at damage three, rend three. Then uh, for the baboons, uh, you could have um, six attacks per boon, making you have 24 attacks at damage two. Insane stuff, okay? Already an insane combo that exists in, inside this book. Bonkers. And also, it makes sense in this book. They're very primal. Thank you to Bjorn in the chat. They're very primal. And that's so that's the combo between the two uh, and how you would, su su like you would summon them. Um, okay, so follow up. Awful Hounds uh, and Hunter's Instincts. These are two abilities that are on the Royal Beast Flayer's uh, like war scroll. The first one, Hunter's Instincts, enemy monsters within three inches this unit cannot carry out monstrous rampages, which is great. In addition, reduce the damage characteristic of weapons used by enemy monsters by one while they're within three inches of any friendly units with this ability to a minimum of one. And do not forget, do not forget this is really important, uh, that you want to stop monsters in your enemy from doing monstrous rampages because they are going to do raw, which is going to shut down your ability to fight twice. Oh yeah, all of those profiles plus fight twice, amazing. And then finally, Awful Hounds. While this unit includes any Awful Hounds, add two inches to the move character to this unit if they're within 18 inches of an enemy monster. So, uh, <laughs> like an incredible unit. There is There are reasons that people are writing lists with dozens of these units in them. Uh, they're very cheap to buy in, but most importantly, the combo we just talked about between the Aborong Art region and them is that they're just summoned for free. So a unit of 20 of them summoned for free. Either way, you're going to be running an Aborong Art region in your army for Flesh Eater Courts. So go get yourself one and uh, start having fun. The good thing, to, the thing to remember though, always obviously with the Royal Beast Flares is that if you do cast Hoarfrost, you're always only gonna apply it to one weapon profile. So the real question is if you were to get Ren 3, would you want it on the 24 attacks on the monkeys with the first and fangs and claws that do damage too? Or do you want it on the 10 attacks coming out of the two hunting pole arms um, at Ren 3, damage three? I'm sure there's some math to do on that, and I'd like to know what you all think about that. The next unit that you're most likely, pretty much an auto-include in a Flesh Eater Quartz army is the Aborangul King on Royal Terrorgeist, because he is just the bloodthirst of the Stonehorn of this book. Just tons and tons of damage. 14 wounds with a 4-up armor save is not that survival. I don't love a 14. Uh, I don't love a 4-up armor save, uh, but he, we'll talk about it in a minute, he does have the opportunity to get a better ward save than the 6-up ward save he has. 
He has a death shriek, death shriek shooting attack. Oh, he starts out moving 14 inches. I should talk about that if he's unwounded. And that's very fast. We already know that we could potentially get this guy to run in charge as well. So that's 20 inches. So this can be right on top of the enemy very aggressively. Uh, and that's what it wants to do. It wants to get in really quick because it's definitely not going to survive against shooting with that four-up armor save. It's got a death shriek ability, which is shooting attack with a range of 10 inches. And it does mortal wounds over the bravery characteristic that you roll when you roll a d6 and you add its death streak number to it. So it starts out as a six, so it's six plus D6, then you match that against the unit's bravery, and then whatever you beat it by, it takes that many mortal wounds. It's kind of okay, it's got less effective over time because it's just not as many mortal wounds as we previously used to see, but it's still not bad in the right situation. Um, the things to talk about here are the, the, the Ghoul King on top has got five attacks, uh, threes and threes, rend one, damage one, which isn't that scary. Skeletal Claws have got four attacks that are fours and threes, uh, rend one, damage D3, which is also not that scary as well. And then the Fanged Maw, which has got a three-inch range. Now, this is super important because when this unit charges in, it's going to have a three-inch range on its bite attack. So you cannot let a unit be three inches behind your screen or within three inches of your screen. Otherwise, it could get attacked by the Fanged Maw. But as we know, with the command ability uh, to fight twice, this unit is going to be able to pile in again. So it's got an effective range of another three inch pile in and then a three inch uh, attack behind it. So with its first pile in, it potentially has got a nine inch attack profile from where it charges. So that's very, very scary. Now that's three attacks hitting on fours, which is the weakness of this unit. Any minuses to hit are really going to mess it up. Wounds on threes, rend two, damage d6. But probably the reason that you take this model is that fanged maw. And it's probably the first reason to talk about it. Somehow the fanged maw, <laughs> which is its attack profile, has got a rule called the gaping maw, which is if the unmodified attack for the fanged maw is a six, the attack inflicts six mortal wounds on the target. Uh, and the attack sequence ends, do not make a save roll. So you take this so that you can have um, three chances to roll a six. But as we know, with the Arc Regent, and now you're going to start seeing why the Arc Regent is so important, you could add D3 attacks to this model. And you can add D3 attacks to Skeletal Claws, D3 attacks to the Fang Maw, and D3 attacks to the Glory Talons. So it's going to have even more effect because you're going to add D3 to all of those weapon profiles. That's a great economies of scale and you're going to be able to fight twice, so it's even better economies of scale. So you could potentially have six attacks with a Fang Maw and be able to attack twice. So this thing will just blow stuff up. Tons and tons of damage uh, if you get all of the buffs and everything that you want on it. It's uh, a flying model, so you can charge over stuff, which is really, really nice. Um, it's got the uh, infested ability, so if it's slain, every unit within three inches when it dies suffers D3 mortal wounds. It has the Royal Blood ability, so in your hero phase, you can heal up to D3 wounds allocated to this model. Now, one of the reasons we've seen the Zombie, La Zombie Dragon, sorry, Vampire Lord and Zombie Dragon taking so much in Soul Black Grave Lords is because it's so, so survivable thanks to the hunger. This is a much older version of that. It's not anywhere near as good, but with a heroic action to also heal, you could potentially heal 2D3 in your hero phase, which is quite nice. But with 14 wounds, uh, sorry, 14 wounds and a four up save, don't expect it to survive forever. It's a wizard and it can cast a spell and unbind a spell. And its spell is great because it's a unit within 24 inches. It's cast on a six and they get a five up ward save. So it probably wants to cast it on itself, but it may well cast it on a unit of horrors, uh, which I think is something you might see happen. It might cast it on it. It probably won't cast it on a unit of ghouls, but it might. Um, so a five up ward save is very good. And then it's got the command ability summon royal guard. And like the other summoning abilities, you can summon a unit of up to three knights on the board so that would be a unit of flayers 
or a unit of horrors that you could summon on the board. So it's just, you take an incredibly good monster anyway, and you get to summon a free unit. So you're probably going to put this guy in your list uh, because it's just so much output. Just so much output, which is really good. And you can also take mount traits um, for the hero mounted on Royal Terror guys. There are six of them, if you could believe it. Uh, six of them. But uh, let's talk about um, what they are. There's one you're going to take, but we'll talk about them all. Uh, Deathly Fast, this model can run and still shoot in the same turn. That's not good. Uh, you got Razor Clawed, improve the rain characteristics and mounts melee weapons by one. It's not a bad shout, especially if you're taking the sub-faction where every 60 hit is going to generate two wound rolls. Then you're going to get more rend on those as well. Not bad. Uh, horribly Infested, when this model dies and does D3 damage, it does a flat three instead. That's just a bad one. Don't do that. Horribly Resilient, uh, when this model gets to heal D3, you can heal three instead of D3. Don't do that either. And just take Gruesome Bite. You can re-roll failed hit rolls for attack made with the fang, the mounts fanged more. So that mount attack, that uh, jaw attack I talked to you about, which was doing six mortal wounds on a six, you can now re-roll it. So add D3, do D, um, add D3 attacks, uh, fight twice, and re-roll all those hits. Just fishing for tons of mortal wounds. Probably doing more mortal wounds than Scarbrand over the course of a battle if you get it off, which is really good. The final one, Devastating Scream, is add one to each of the Death Shriek values, which is really bad. So don't do that. So just have the Gruesome Bite on a, uh, a Gore King on Terrorgeist and just do a incredible. Next thing we're going to look at is the Abhorrent Gore King on Royal Zombie Dragon. So this is the other big monster in the army, separate to Nagash. We're not going to cover Nagash in this video because Nagash just deserves his own video, really. Um, or maybe I'll, I, I might do Nagash. Uh, but he's got 14 wounds with a 4-up save. Same things I said about the last model apply here, and he's 430 points. Now, he's kind of a buff piece to the army, which sounds odd, at 430 points. Uh, he's a support melee fighter, uh, is what he does. Now, he's got um, a, a shooting attack, which is 9 inches, and moves 14 inches as well, which is nice and mobile. Um, and, <laughs> and it's one attack, and it hits on a 3, but to wound, you roll a dice... And that dice needs to be equal to the number of models in that less than or equal to the number of models in that target unit. So if it's got seven or more models, it's going to auto wound. If it's got one model, you've got to roll a one to make it wound. But it's Ren 3 and D6 damage, so it's just like a nice little bonus. Other than that, they've got a bunch of melee profiles which are similar to the Ghoul King on Terror guys, but they do not have the big six mortal wound attack, which is the difference, I think, between these two. Um, oh, it's to hit, sorry. It's the to hit, not the to wound on the Pestilent Breath. But the, yeah, this, this model does not have the more. Uh, it flies, obviously. Uh, he's got the same as a Gorky on Terror Geist where they heal in the Hero Phase D3. He's got, uh, and he's got, a, he's, a mad, he's a magician. So I'm falling over my words there. He's a magician. They can cast one spell and unbind one spell. And his spell is Malefic Hunger. And this is what makes him such a great support piece. He's cast on a six, and if successfully cast until your next hero phase, you can reroll wound rolls for attacks made by melee weapons with friendly flesh eat quartz units wholly within 16 inches of the caster. So you sit him in the middle of several combat blocks, everyone charges in, and everyone is rerolling to wound, which is really good, but you spend a lot of points to make that happen. 430 points is an amazing amount of points. He also has got the ability to summon a unit, and he can summon a courtier. So he summons a courtier, which of the list is a Crypt Gas courtier, Haunted courtier, Infernal courtier, or Varkov courtier. And you're going to summon the unit that makes the most sense for your army, so there isn't really a best case here. 
In fact, uh, we did a little chat about uh, exactly what Courtier to summon uh, with the Abhorrent Ghoul King on Royal Zombie Dragon. And we decided uh, that the Vargulf is the best choice, specifically because uh, he's able to muster, which is the healing and recursion you get in this army, all of the units in the army, and also is a pretty combaty character, which feels like a bonus. So yeah, I, we are now suggesting court Vargulf every time. You can take some zombie dragon mount traits. Don't forget, you get one free mount trait in your army, like with an artifact or a command trait, um, uh, but you're probably taking the more on the Gorking on Terror guys. But you might take one on your zombie dragon, and these are the mount traits available. You get Deathly Fast, this model can run and still shoot in the same turn. Please don't take that. You got Razor Claude, improve the range characteristics of mounts melee weapons by one. Maybe that's okay, especially with rerolls to wound, meaning he's got a pretty great damage profile as long as he's not minus one to hit. Improving the rem by that is very good. Baneful Breath, you can reroll the wound rolls for attacks made with the model's Pestilent Breath. Not very good, don't hit that. Horribly Resilient, this model, this model's Royal Blood ability allows it to heal three instead of D3. That's fine, like, but probably not that good. Necrotic Fangs, I quite like this one. You can reroll the damage characteristic roll for this model snapping more. However, you are hoping if you do take this model, you are casting its spell because the main reason you've taken this model is because of the spell. So you shouldn't need this to re-roll um, its damage profile. And finally, Death on the Skies allows you to put this model into Deep Strike and then deploy it outside of nine inches of the enemy. So, like, they're all okay. I think Razor Claude is probably the correct answer. Uh, that's the one I see most in tournament lists. Improve the range characters to mount melee weapons by one. That's the one you're gonna see. So that's the one you should take. The next unit we're gonna look at is the Abhorrent Ghoul King. Uh, just on foot, it's just a regular chap. Just on foot this time. He's got six wounds, four up save. He gets to heal D3 in each hero phase. Keeps him alive, which is nice. He's a wizard, and he can cast one spell and unbind one spell. And his spell is pretty good. It's Black Hunger. Pick a friendly fleshy corpse unit within 24 inches, and you get to add one to the attack's characteristic of their melee weapons. This is exactly the same as the Abhorrent Arc region. So now you can add D3 to one and plus one. So potentially up to four onto a single unit, or D3 on one unit, and then one on another unit, which is quite nice. And his command ability is to summon a unit of serfs. And again, that could be a unit of 10 Crypt Ghouls or a unit of 10 Royal Beast Flayers. Um, and they have to be wholly within six inches of board edge, nine inches away from the enemy. So um, not bad. And he basically is he's 170 points. You get his points value back and you have another way of stacking uh, points onto, sorry, attacks onto units. So I pretty much think he's probably an auto-include as well. You probably immediately just load out a Boring Art Regent, Royal, uh, Ghoul King on Terror Geist, and this guy, and just start your game there, and then you move on, because just plus one attack is great on loads of units. The next couple of units all kind of key in with other units in the army very specifically, uh, and they're all courtiers. So the Cryptgast Courtier is the first one we're going to talk about. He's 70 points, and he's only got four wounds with a five-up armor save, so not very survivable at all. Um, he's got a terrible melee profile, so that's not what he's here for. He, he's here for his ability to do muster serfs, which is you roll six dice, and then for each two plus, you can turn one slain model into a surf unit, which would either be cool ghouls or royal beast flayers, uh, which is nice. And you have to be within 10 inches of them as well. Uh, so that's what he does. And in addition, he's got the ability called Trophy Hunter. If an enemy model are slain by wounds inflicted by this model, until the end of that phase in which the attacks were made, add one to the attacks characteristic of melee weapons used by friendly serfs while they are wholly within 16 inches. So if you're able to charge in a unit of ghouls or beast flayers with a Crypt Gas Courtier 
and then the core team was to attack and then wound a unit, uh, sorry, wound a model, kill a model, then you would be able to add plus one attack to surfs in range, which isn't bad, but the problem is in the order of activation, you would charge in, they would then fight, and then someone would attack your ghouls or your beast flares, both of which would probably lose a lot of models because they're not very survivable. Uh, so not the best uh, thing because it's going to be hard to pull off. But if you do pull it off, it will mean that you can add even more attacks onto those units, which is pretty good. The next unit is a Crypt Haunter Courtier. So he's the Crypt Horror, like general like the captain sort of thing he's a hero for the crypt horrors he's got six wounds so he's a bit beefier he's got a four up armor save got three attacks in close combat that are damage three which is kind of okay but that's not what he's here for and he can heal one wound in each hero phase he's also got the ability chosen by the king which allows you to reroll hit rolls for attacks made by this unit while it's within 18 inches of any friendly aberrants which is okay and fine but again that's not the reason you're taking him the reason you're taking him is because of musters kings of chosen in your hero phase roll six dice for each friendly crypt haunter courtier any five ups and then you're gonna be able to return a crypt horror and that's honestly really cool you could have a unit of nine crypt horrors if this guy was your general uh, then you unlock uh, crypt horrors as battle line there are other ways to do that as well uh, then you can have a unit of nine you could have two Crypt Haunter Courtiers behind them, uh, and then you roll six dice for each Crypt Haunter Courtier. And for every five plus, you'll put a model back into that unit. If you also use the heroic action to also do some more mustering or rallying, basically, you could put even more wounds back into that unit as well. Uh, so, like, there's 110 points to potentially keep bringing back a lot of wounds, uh, feels pretty good. The next unit is the Crypt Infernal Courtier. This is our Crypt Flayer. Hero. So this works with Crypt Flayers. It's got six wounds, four up save. Uh, it's got a shooting attack, which is nine inches, uh, four threes, rend one damage, D3. And it's got a melee weapon, uh, which has got five attacks. It's rend one damage, too. So like quite nice, actually. It can fly as well and is very fast, moves 12 inches. So you can keep up with your Crypt uh, Flayers, which are very, very quick. And it's obviously also got the muster ability. So roll six dice, a unit of Crypt Flayers that's within 10 inches. And then for every five plus, you can put one of them back. So the same thing we said about Crypt uh, Horrors, which are four wounds, same thing with Crypt Flayers. They've got Skewing Strike, which is also every six to hit um, with their Skewing Talons is going to do to a mortal wound in addition to any normal damage. 130 points, fairly expensive um, uh, with the Crypt Flayers, which are quite weak. But same thing I said about Crypt Horrors, it's going to apply to Crypt Flayers. So a couple of those behind, create some big bricks. If this is your general, you're going to get Crypt Flayers as battle line. They're fine. Our final core tier is the Vargulf core tier. And not to be disrespectful, easily the worst model out of all the core tiers, as he's a billion years old and made of fine cast. But he's eight wounds and a five up uh, armor save, so not very survivable. Moves 10 inches and is our smash bat. So can do loads and loads of damage. We kind of talked about that previously. You can stack different uh, command traits and artifacts uh, and a bunch of other stuff to make this do a ton of damage. So we won't talk about that again. Instead, we'll talk about what he does outside of that. He's got the Muster Royal Household, and he's the most expensive of the courtiers, 160 points, but he's the most flexible, especially if you can summon one of these for free. Because if he's near a unit of serfs, he rolls six dice, and then he two up, he can put a model back in them. And if he's near a unit of knights, so either the horrors or the flayers, then any five plus, he can put one back in there as well. So he kind of can choose between one of the, whichever one of the units he wants to try and benefit. He can't benefit, he can benefit two units uh, but you can't benefit. You can't benefit from the same dice roll, if that makes sense. So if I roll a five, I can return it to knights, but I can't also return a surf at the same time. Um, and then he's got 
The ability Feed on Dark Magic, with which a friendly abhorrent within 18 inches of this model successfully casts a spell. It's not unbound. You can re-roll hit rolls this model until the next hero phase, which, as we talked about, making him very fighty is another way of making him even more fighty. He's got King's Champion, which is add two to the attack characteristic of this unit's model's immense claws if it's within three inches of 10 or more enemy models when you pick the target unit to fix attacks. So if you charge it into loads of models, He's going to get a load of attacks as well. I can't wait to see what the AOS 4 version of this is like. Oh, sorry, the, the updated version of this whenever the new book comes out. Massive Vargulf, it'll be so cool. Anyway, and then the Victory Feast at the end of the combat phase. If an enemy model was slain by wounds inflicted uh, by this model's attacks, you can heal D3. So he definitely, especially if you're summoning in a core tier, this feels like the sword tier that's got the most give. Um, because he's got the most flexibility and is also legitimately fighty. All of the others aren't really that fighty. Uh, and this one actually will do some damage as well as doing some healing, which is quite nice. So for 160 points, honestly, not bad. Also quite quick as well. Moves 10 inches, can fly. Honestly, yeah, not bad at all. Just talking about how incredibly bad uh, the Vargulf is. If you do want a really cool Vargulf STL, then Clay Beast Creations uh, have a Vargulf STL. You can see there on my screen. So if you have a 3D printer or a friend with 3D printer, it's a great smash bat and he would look really good on the table. Thanks to the new Harbingers book, we have a new courtier in the mix, the Marrow Scroll Herald. He's 115 points. He's got five wounds, a five-up save, and moves six inches. And he has got a unique ability to debuff the enemy or buff your army. Thanks to his ability, the King's Entreaty. At the end of the charge phase, you can pick one enemy unit within three inches of this unit and say that it will offer its infected bone or bonk. <laughs> <laughs> if you do so, your opponent must choose whether that enemy accepts or refuses the bone. Bonk. If it refuses the strike, if it refuses, the strike first effect applies to friendly flesh-eating corpse units within three inches of this unit until the end of the following combat phase. If it accepts, the enemy unit becomes infected. Bonk. For the rest of the battle, roll 2d6 before an infected unit issues or receives a command, which is really powerful, attempts to cast a spell or chants a prayer. Make that roll before the action is carried out. If the roll is greater than the unit's bravery characteristic, the unit cannot perform that action that phase. So it's kind of like a, a Bellacore ability or something we see from the Realm Lords. It's very much gross. Uh, he's got some great opportunity for some role play on the tabletops if you would like to bring a bone and maybe you know offer them a bone or bonk them for, but politely like Timmy Mallet not like aggressively um, uh, which would be quite fun uh, but in game terms <laughs> I'm not 100% certain how I feel about it I think if you can position him in exactly the right place giving all of your units always strike first is good but I don't think there's a situation where they're ever going to accept it also the debuffs it does uh, while um, you can no longer issue or receive commands which is honestly very scary uh, the not the ability to cast a spell and chant a prayer is only going to be applying to heroes. So it feels like this isn't going to work that well unless you're fighting lots of heroes. Um, so it's kind of interesting. Uh, I don't think for his cost, you're going to get a lot of value out of him, but we'll see. And he's also got the Don't Shoot the Message ability, which is this unit is not visible to enemy models while it's wholly within six inches of five or more other friendly flesh-eater course models. So he's not even going to be able to be targeted by spells. 
that means uh, he's going to be fairly safe. And so if you did want to try and bring him as part of a melee castle, that would work quite nicely. Unfortunately, he's quite slow and he moves six inches. So he's probably not going to get into combat along with the rest of your army, which is going to try and be very fast at certain stages. So I think he's definitely a very high skill level piece to use and probably not worth the attempt to use it. So the battle line unit in this army, if you're not making other units battle line, are crit goals. They come in units of 10, they're 80 points, and they have had a new war scroll in this new book, the Harbingers Dawnbringers book. I'm not sure if it's in the app yet, but eventually it will be. Uh, so they have got eight, they're 80 points for a unit of 10. They have a champion, which means they can issue commands themselves, so that's really good. Uh, and you can obviously take these up to a unit of 30. And that's obviously the right way to probably take this unit, because they can be bonkers. What have they got? They've got one melee attack, uh, one melee attack profile, which is a range of an inch, uh, two attacks each, and they hit on fours, wound on fours, no rend and damage one. Uh, they've got this boundless ferocity ability, which is uh, whenever you roll a six, you automatically wound. But if you've got 20 or more models, then you wound on a five or a six. That means you don't have to roll to wound as well, which is good, so it's, it's excellent. And then if you improve the rank characteristics of these units, melee weapons by one, while it's within nine inches of courtiers or 18 inches of any aberrants, and you're probably going to be within range of both of those two models, especially an aberrant, because you'll have a ghoul king uh, uh, running around as well. So why are these good or not good? Well, this is probably the best economies of scale unit you can find because you can have 30 and then they've got two attacks each. That'll take you to 60 attacks and plus one for the champion. But as we know, we can add D3 plus one attacks onto this unit. So per model, we're going to have six attacks, which means from a unit of 30, we're going to have 180 attacks. They're on 25 mil bases, so they can fight in two ranks. So you could string them out as like two lines of 15. Probably difficult to get all of those attacks in. But if you add other stuff on, like Horfrost from this GHB, then you're going to have 108 attacks, which could potentially, which will automatically wound on fives and could be Ren 3. So it's just a huge amount of attacks. Don't forget, there are other ways to get reroll ones to hit, reroll ones to wound, if you're with the right like sub factions or if you're using the right things. Um, uh, yes, and you can then use a hero. Don't forget, it's not the champion that can do it. You can then use a hero to make that unit fight twice, right? <laughs> so that unit of 30 can do uh, 100... Um, 180 attacks, fighting twice, and that unit is only going to set you back 240 points. Now, all of the other units, you're going to spend 240 points on an art region, another 140 points uh, for your uh, uh, your uh, your other character that's giving you plus one attack. So you're doing a lot of other stuff to make this unit really good, but you can have multiples of these. If you're in the Mimorden, then on a four plus, you can bring the whole 30 unit back, which is also pretty crazy as well. Um, so just really good. Even if you only take a unit of 10, and if you were to stack all those buffs on them, that unit of 10 would have six attacks each. You'd have 60 attacks, and you could pile in attack twice for 120 attacks, which again could have Ren 3 because of Hoarfrost. So this feels like one of the best units in the game for stacking all those buffs on, but it's very spell reliant. You'd have to do so many spells to make that happen. Um, and that's going to be fairly hard in this GHB because you're going to have lots of primal dice to cast, but also your opponent's going to have lots of primal dice to try and stop you. So um, very interesting unit 
very interesting. Like to know if you're going to take crit goals. Uh, they're very good. And they've got the surf keyword as well. So they key in with all the abilities that work with the surf keyword. Um, and then they're fighting for their place to be summoned up against the beast flayers. Probably you're going to summon beast flayers because they're 50, 115 points. So they're 35 points more expensive per 10. So you'll probably buy crit ghouls with points and summon beast flayers. It's probably how it'll work. Uh, but yeah, amazing unit and can do some amazing damage. Next unit we're going to look at are crypt horrors. They come in units of three and they're 110 points each. There are ways, as we talked about, with making them battle line. They've got four wounds each and a five up armor safe, so this means they're not very defensive. You obviously could put a Misty Shield on them. Obviously, you could also give them a five up ward save. So maybe make them a little bit more survivable, which is quite nice. Um, but they're very, very cheap for 110 points. They've got four attacks per model, and the champion itself has got an additional one attack. And they hit on a four, they wound on a three, they've got no rend, and they're damaged too, which is really, really good. Uh, well, not really good, not good at all, in fact, in many ways. Um, hitting on four is bad. Uh, minus one to hit is bad, um, because you're now going to be hitting on fives, and that's going to be a real problem. Um, They've got some special abilities. Chosen of the King. Improve the rank characteristic of the student's melee weapons by one while it's wholly within nine inches of any friendly courtiers or any 18 inches of any friendly aberrants. It's got Noble Blood, which is in your hero phase. You can heal up to D3 wounds allocated to this unit. And it's got Warrior Elite. In the unmodified wound roll for an attack made with this club and septic talons of six, the weapon has a damage characteristic of three uh, instead of two for that attack. Uh, so how do we make this unit work? Uh, we want to give it a uh, Mystic Shield, we want to give it uh, a Ward Save, uh, and then if you stack a load of attacks on it, like we said, we can add plus four attacks, you can add a lot of, uh, you can do a lot of damage, um, because you can have eight attacks per model, and then with their new two-inch re uh, reach, they can fight in two ranks. But they've got no Rend, and they're damaged too. You can cast Hoarfrost on them as well, um, but because you've only got a unit of three, if you're adding plus four attacks, you're adding more attacks to ghouls than you are uh, into Crypt Horrors. In a unit of three Crypt Horrors, if you were to add plus four attacks onto them, then you would be adding a total of 12 attacks onto the unit. But if you were to do it on a unit of 10 Crypt uh, Ghouls, you'd be adding 40 attacks on, uh, which is really different. So it just feels like crypt horrors are always so crypt ghouls are always better. Now you could potentially use these as like a big screen front line with the new coherency rules. A unit of six could string out, so you can have quite a big front line to protect your units at the back. And in addition, with all of the healing that you can get from the heroic action and from all of the mustering as well as rally, you could potentially not lose many of these models. But I'm not sure if you do a lot with this unit versus the ghouls or I would need someone to convince me that you're doing more with this unit specifically because you can just do so many more attacks um, with the other unit uh, and so even so it just feels like uh, it's not as good uh, they're very cheap though which is nice they're very cheap they're fast they're faster than ghouls they move seven inches um, which is a, a bit of a bonus 
Uh, but yeah, those are Crypt Horrors. Crypt Flayers are units of three models and they cost 180 points. And we can pretty much stop there because that's very expensive. But they're four wounds with a five up save, making them 12 wounds out across the unit. They have a champion who gets to add plus one to their attack. And they are a dual unit. So they get to a, like a hybrid unit. They've got a shooting attack and they've got a combat attack. The shooting attack is the Death Scream, which is 10 inches, which combined with their very fast movement, 12 inches, means they're they're pretty rapid, but there's lots of ways to make units in this army get run and charge um, and go really fast. So I don't think movement's overly an issue. Uh, but that melee, that sorry, that ranged attack has got four attacks each, so twelve attacks across a unit of three. Uh, hit on fours, win on threes, rend two and damage one. Now that rend two is pretty big. Um, that's going to punch through quite a lot of stuff. Hit on fours is a bit a bit tough, but obviously you can do all out attack. Um, and then they've got their piercing talons, which have got two inch reach, which is good. So they can fight over their own base. Four attacks, hitting on fours, wound on threes, rend one, damage one. So we get a lot of attacks, very much like with the crypt horrors, um, but with economies of scale on the spells that you can put on them to make them have more attacks in melee, um, it's going to be worse than maybe doing it to ghouls, especially with how expensive they are. Death Scream, you add one to the wound rolls for attacks made with Death Scream if the target has a bravery characteristic of six or less, which is quite low, and that's going to be quite rare. And then finally, they've got an amazingly cool rule called the Escort Courtier, where you can pick a unit to move in the movement phase, so you pick this unit, you can pick a friendly flesh eater quartz hero that has a wound characteristic of seven or less that cannot fly and is wholly within three inches of this unit. And basically, at the end of this unit's movement, that unit can move, uh, can be deployed within three, or set up, sorry, within three inches of this unit, wholly within three inches, and more than three inches from enemy units. So this is a really fun one if you wanted to try and like uh, move a wizard across the board, get the priority roll, and then do like a 46 mortal wound spell. That's hilarious. Um, so I really like this. I think this is quite fun. Um, <laughs> maybe use it to protect your like incredibly important arc region. I like that idea as well. You probably would screen with these guys though and they would die because they're only 12 wounds with a 5-up save. So I think most things will kill them. Um, and so at that point's cost, they're very, very expensive. And I probably just want more wounds and attacks on the board in either ghouls or beast flares. It's worth mentioning that you can also obviously include in this list Royal Terrorgeists and also uh, Royal Zombie Dragons. These are the unmounted versions and these just aren't very good. Uh, you can take both of them as battle line if you run them in Gristle Gore. And if you are gonna do it, you definitely take it, well, you definitely take the Terrorgeist. Cause he's only 260 points with the, uh, with the Zombie Dragon being 240 points. So 260 points is okay. Uh, 14 wounds with a four up save, but it's exactly like we described with the Ghoul King, only they've got less stuff. Um, and so you're gonna want the Terrorgeist because you're gonna wanna try and roll the Fanged more and just roll multiple Fanged more attacks and do some mortal wounds. They obviously count as five on an objective as well, and they're legitimately fast, five inches, uh, 14 inches, sorry, in their movement. And they'll probably probably play a lot like Stonehorns play. So we have the, the monster truck list, in the Ogre Moor Tribes book, which is a Frostlord and Stonehorn, um, and maybe another one, and then also loads of Stonehorn Beast Riders. I think the points changes have made that's not quite true now. And effectively what it does is it all just runs forward on the first turn, or it gives you the first turn, and then it just runs all of its models at you, hopes it gets a priority roll, and then just deletes as much of your stuff as it possibly can in the first turn. Um, that's kind of a, a neat trick, it's a fun way to play, and it's definitely a very easy way to build an army. So. Um, you can, you can definitely just monster mash. Yeah, exactly. It's just a monster mash with just loads of dudes. So Gristle Gore, they become battle line, and you throw it all forward in one big mix. 
There's not really much else to say about that, so I won't. Uh, but it's a legitimate play style. I just don't think it's necessarily very good. Next thing we look at are the endless spells. So there are three endless spells for Flesh Eater Courts. Uh, don't forget you can only include three endless spells in a 2,000 point list and you can only include one endless spell for each wizard that you have in your army. Endless spells are going to be much easier to get rid of in this GHB because of um, because of the ability to uh, add primal dice and also some of the generic endless spells are incredibly good. Go watch my endless spell tier video for that but the best spells are easily things like um, uh, Geminids, obviously, Maelstrom is really good, uh, so you want to be uh, cautious of those, and they're very, very cheap. The end spells that we've got, the first one we've got is Cadaverous Barricade. It's cast on a five, so very easy to cast, but also very easy to get rid of, because you unbind an endless spell, or dispel an endless spell at the beginning of each hero phase, and a range of 24 inches. If successfully cast, set up this endless spell wholly within range, uh, and more than one inch from all models and terrain features. Okay, only Flesh Eater Quartz can cast this. Uh, and it's got an ability called Grasping Hands. If a model starts to move within three inches of this terrain feature, uh, then uh, you half the move a distance that they can move in that turn. That's crazy good because it's 20 points. If it was like 40 points or 50 points, it probably wouldn't be worth it. But the ability to just cast a spell, make your opponent have to waste one of their spells or unbinds or dispels to get rid of this to stop it and it costs you 20 points is hilarious. So you, um, uh, how many spells do you have? How many are you casting buffs? That's true. I don't know, like it's very cheap. You, there are so many spells you wanna cast. You definitely wanna cast Hoarfrost in this army. You already wanna cast a spell that's gonna give you um, a D3 extra attacks. You also wanna cast a spell that probably gives you run and charge. So adding this onto the mix and probably also Mystic Shield and the five at Ward. So that's five different spells. So you might not be taking uh, all of these things, but they're worth talking about. The next spell is the Chalice of Ushran, and it's 50 points, and it's so good. It's cast on six, and it's got 24-inch range. Uh, it's got an ability called the Soul Stealer. So keep track of the number of models that are slain within 12 inches of this and the spell. Considering you're going to cast it 24 inches, that gives it a 36-inch effective range. At the end of each turn, roll a dice for each model that was slain within 12 inches of this endless spell. During the turn, for each 4+, the commanding player can heal one wound allocated to a Flesh Eater Quartz model within 12 inches of this endless spell, or return one slain model to one Flesh Eater Quartz unit uh, with a wound's characteristic that is wholly within 12 inches of this endless spell. That's insane. Uh, double this up with a Malevolent Maelstrom for the perfect 12-inch Wombo combo. Uh, but I love the idea um, of healing from this, and you are going to get a lot of healing. Your army is only designed to kill stuff. It's got no special rules for holding objectives. It's got no special rules for deep striking or doing anything like that. Its job is just to melee murder stuff. So you're going to be able to activate this, and some of those pieces are very important, like the Ghoul King on Terrorgeist. So being able to heal this up, um, from other units activating is very good. So probably an auto-include in your army, to be honest, because it's also going to return models to your army as well for lots of recursion. So just ghouls are going to get returned, beast flares are going to get returned. This is amazing, so definitely take that. The last endless spell, and in my opinion, the coolest endless spell, maybe out there, I love it, it looks awesome. It's loads of undead horses, like, it's really good. It's a Corpse Bear Stampede, and it's cost 50 points, so it's uh, it's quite expensive, really, for an endless spell at the moment. It's cast on a seven, which is um, higher than the other two, and then it's got a range of 3d6 inches when you set it up. It's also a predatory endless spell, and it moves 12 inches, so it's going to move at the end of each hero phase, but before end of hero phase abilities happen. That's how endless spells work. They happen before end of hero phase abilities. And it's got a special rule trampled underfoot, 
which is after this end of spells moved, roll five dice for each unit that has any models it passes across. For each roll that is more than unit's wounds characteristic, that unit suffers a mortal wound. For each six, that unit suffers one mortal wound regardless of its wounds characteristic. So it just does some damage. And it's probably not as good as the other spells that do damage that are generic spells. So Maelstrom is a really good spell for doing a bunch of damage, especially for an army that should be killing a lot, um, which is really interesting. Also, Pendulum, Purple Sun, uh, and even Ravenex Ashing Jaws do a lot of mortal wound damage, so they're probably worth including over the Corpse Mare Stampede. Okay, the next section we're going to talk about how to win with the army, and that's going to be pretty important. Uh, you have lots of units on the board, and you have lots of models. They're not very survivable, but they've got lots of healing, uh, and so you should be okay on the primary, especially because which is holding objectives, because you're going to be running across the board and beating stuff up. So you should be trying to grab their objectives and hold your own objectives, and you're medium to fast, so I think you're in an okay position. Um, but when it comes to getting other points, which is grand strategies and your battle tactics, those are going to be the points that maybe you fall down. So let's look about what let's look at what you maybe can take. The one that you can take for your book uh, is the Royal Delusions, and this is Growing Kingdom. When the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy if there are at least three friendly fleshy courts units on the battlefield that were not in your starting army. So you summon some units and then you don't use them feels like a bit of a mistake in my personal opinion. I don't feel like this is one you're going to take. But then you have to go and take them from the new GHB. And there's some really tough ones in here. Um, I, there really are. Killing, like No wizards on the board. You're not going to do that because you need wizards. So I think the ones that make a lot of sense to me are control the nexus. When the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy if two or more friendly wizard units are wholly within six inches of the center of the battlefield, mainly because a lot of your backline units, uh, your abhorrent arc region, and, and those units at the back of the board are quite important, and they're wizards, and they'll be probably never going past the mid-board to engage, but going to be moving up to support the frontline troops. Or spellcasting savant, which is when the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy. If the model picked to be your general is an Andorian locus and that unit has not been slain, and probably the abhorrent arc region is again going to be your general. Uh, he can be an Andorian locus. Uh, he can be garrisoned on top of your piece of terrain. Uh, might as well to here. He heals loads, uh, so it's very hard to get rid of him. So I feel like that's probably the one that you're going to take, in my opinion. So I think that makes a lot of sense. And of course, every turn you're going to try and score battle tactics. Let's look at the battle tactics you can play or you try to score points from in your book. And there are three only available and they are not easy. The first one is Scream to Death. And that's where you kill a unit, you pick an enemy unit and either a unit of Crypt Flayers, uh, a Royal Terror Geist or an Abhorrent Call King or Royal Terror Geist kills that unit with its Screaming Attack. Now the Screaming Attack for Crypt Flayers have changed in the update uh, and the Royal Terror Geist uh, Scream Attack isn't that reliable. So it potentially can do it, and if you're in, into units with low bravery, you very much could definitely do it, but I wouldn't rely on it. So it's something to be really conscious of, and that one's going to be very hard to do. And if you're fighting an army that doesn't have low bravery, basically impossible to do. The Royal Hunt is a much more manageable one, but it requires your opponent to have a monster. If a monster with less than five wounds allocated is killed in that turn, uh, then you will do the battle tactics. That's a pretty good one, but again, the opponent needs to bring a monster. And also, if you kill it with an Abhorrent, that you're going to get an additional victory points. There's a nice little three victory point swing there, but again, it requires your opponent to have those uh, available. 
And then finally you've got United Court, which is where you need to grab an objective that your opponent previously controlled, but you need to do it with a unit of serfs, a unit of knights, and a courtier model all at the same time. So you need to have either ghouls or beast flayers, and then you need um, either horrors, crypt horrors or crypt flayers, and then you need a courtier, and they need to go grab the objective. You can summon those units, um, obviously, uh, at the start, and use those War Scroll abilities to summon those units to try and make that thing happen, uh, which is uh, which is good. But that's again very difficult because you need all of those resources to be in the same place at the same time. So if we take a look at the generic uh, battle tactics, like the thing you need to remember is that you don't need to do all eight battle tactics and all three book tactics. You only have to do five across the course of a battle. And you've got some nice options here, I think. Uh, we'll start with Surround and Destroy which is pick three different friendly units on the battlefield. You complete this battle tactic at the end of your turn if each of those units wholly within six inches of a different battlefield edge and two or more of those units are wholly outside your territory. Considering you're going to summon units into those positions, that feels like you can summon a unit and then obviously you can then uh, wait for priority and then achieve that battle tactic fairly easy. Problem is, is those resources maybe won't be doing something from those board edges, uh, but I think that that's a, an easier one. Magical Dominance, uh, you're going to be casting a lot of spells. You've got an army that relies on spell casting. So you complete this battle tactic at the end of your turn. If a friendly wizard unit successfully casts one or more spells, and none of the spells cast by any units in your army were unbound. So maybe on the first turn, you just cast a ward spell or a mystic shield. You do that outside of 30 inches of your enemy get two points, move a couple of cheap ghoul units onto objectives, and then just let your opponent just move forward. A lot of the battle plans, really, you a lot of the battle plans in this GHB, you want to go second. Uh, and so you have no problem just, you've got very cheap units that you can just push into the midboard, and your army can go really fast, but it makes much more sense to try to bring a lot of your power in into the midboard immediately. So what you just want to do is just let them trade with little smaller units and then hit them with your big combo pieces, which I think is good um, and really fun. Uh, and then you've got Reprisal. You complete this battle tactic if an enemy unit that destroyed a friendly general earlier in the battle is destroyed this turn. Now that won't combo with... Uh, the grand strategy that I think is quite good for this army. But if they somehow do manage to get your army, uh, your general, you're going to lose a grand strat, but most of your army kills stuff, so I feel like you'll be able to go and fight them back. Um, and then you've got Intimidate the Invaders, which I think is very much how this army plays. You can complete this battle tactic if, at the end of your turn, there are more friendly units wholly outside your territory than there are friendly units within your territory, because your army is going to go forward and beat stuff up. That's what it's going to do. So you've got some nice options there. Like um, uh, you've also got bait the trap, complete this battle tactic if two or more friendly units retreat this turn, and two or more friendly different units made a charge move this turn. You should have multiple small units, uh, mainly from summoning and just the way your army is built. So I think you'll be able to have a couple of retreats and also a couple of fights, which I think will work really nicely for you as well. And uh, that is, that's everything from Flesh Eater Courts in 2023. Obviously, there's going to be a new Battle Tome out sometime in the next six months. I'm going to make a lot more videos about factions, uh, especially playing in the new JHB. I hope you enjoyed this video. And if you do like it, please let me know in the comments below uh, and tell me what else you'd like to see added. I think one of the things I'd like to add in the future is maybe lists, but I think I would have to prep them at a time. Um, and then also they kind of interfere with doing like, uh, you know, my, my list masterclasses. So I might do that in the future, which would be really good. Um, and I want to thank everyone on the Oswald Gamer Patreon where I might also just put all of those list things anyway, because those guys help support me so I can do the show. But I hope this has been like a good kind of refresher for 
for flesh eat courts and also like a good kind of deep dive of how flesh eat courts work. I've really enjoyed the process. It's been really fun. And I think I'm really excited about doing a million attacks. Um, thinking about the armies and how they were like the units and how they will play, it definitely feels like I would have to get a lot of dice, roll a lot of dice. It require a lot of management. I feel like it's very fragile. It will take a lot of punishment and that could be quite tough as well. You have a lot of board presence, which I think is good. Love that. Love a lot of board presence. And you have a lot of damage, which I think is really good as well. Um, how you survive against some of the modern books, not really sure. They have a lot of uh, damage that they can put out. Uh, but I think, I think, yeah, it's also like a cheap army to build like and buy. Like Loads of those models are really easy to produce, uh, super easy to paint and, uh, and everything else like that. So yeah, I think, I think overall, definitely um, a, a good army to play right now with uh, an upcoming... Uh, new book coming in the future, which is quite exciting as well. So quite excited to see how it changes when we get to that. Hope you enjoyed the video. Like, subscribe, all those other things. Support the show on Patreon would be great. Um, yeah, thanks very much. And if you do like it, send it to your friends.